Let me know if this sounds like you. You're a teacher who's at their wits end, burned out, or maybe you're just stressed to the max. You want to get on the road to burnout recovery, but you don't know what to do, how to get there, or if it's even possible. I hear you and I want to help, but we didn't get into burnout on the same path. So why should recovery be any different? That's why I wanted to share with you a brand new free resource that I have on my website. It's called the Personalized Roadmap to Teacher Burnout Recovery. In this quick, less than five minute quiz, you'll answer questions that will help identify your needs, your strengths, and your weaknesses. Once you've completed it, you will have access to the personalized roadmap to burnout recovery that's going to give you your next best steps to take on your recovery journey, packed with resources and support along the way. Head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash quiz or head over to the link in the show notes. I cannot wait to see your action steps along the way. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to episode 27 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. All right. If you're one of those teachers who find yourself being self-critical, maybe doubting your own abilities, or maybe even shameful of the experiences that you're having in the classroom, listen up, because those are some really big feelings that can lead to some big burnout. And I know, I know, some of you may not be ready to have this discussion because this is one of those discussions about that inner work that we have to do to be successful. This is that type of work that's going to change not only how we show up in the classroom, but how we continue to maintain our mental health outside of the classroom and in our personal lives. But self-criticism, shame, doubt, those can poison our well-being. If we want to mitigate our stress, develop or remind ourselves of our resilience and avoid burnout and anxiety, there's an antidote to that poison that we keep accepting time and time again. If you've never thought of it this way, it's time. How we talk to ourselves continues the specific chemical reactions in our brain. It keeps us in cycles of overwhelm and burnout. And that's why today's guest is going to talk to us specifically about self-compassion. And now let me say this. If you think, I already know this stuff, but you still find yourself being self-critical or doubting yourself, stuck in that specific mindset, this interview with Lisa Bayless is going to change your life and reopen your eyes to things you can do today to get that under wraps. So let's not waste any time and let's get into it. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. Each week, I'll be sharing tips, strategies, mindset shifts, and discussing hot topics in teacher resilience with other knowledgeable experts so that you can ditch the overwhelm, prevent burnout, and create the life you've been dreaming about. So let's get started, and let me remind you that you too are a resilient teacher. Before we meet our special guest, Lisa, I want to remind you guys that anytime that you have a specific question that you want answered on the podcast, you can always send a question or a topic through teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash ask, or feel free to hit me up on Messenger or an email. I would love to feature your question and answer it specifically to you 
or anonymously. And hey, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you follow the podcast so you never miss another episode. If you're already an avid follower, please, please, please consider leaving a review and share an episode that you love on social media so that other teachers can find this resource. I really am on a mission to help teachers prioritize their mental health and beat burnout. Plus, like, I love chatting with you as a listener, as well as meeting new friends. And doing these things helps us to create this breadcrumb trail for all those teachers who are at the end of their rope. Let's create this community of teachers that supports each other and quits letting burnout bring them down. Today's guest is a really amazing lady. And before I introduce you to her, I want to share with you one of the reasons why I needed to have her come and talk on the podcast. I've received several messages recently about not feeling good enough or teachers who are struggling with that perfectionism or beating themselves up and how the pep talks that I create are so helpful to boosting your mood when you're on the struggle bus. And hey, that's totally the point. But what if you could do that to yourself? What if you had this inner voice that pepped you up? What if you quit beating yourself up every time that you made a mistake or you didn't get something exactly right the first time? What if I told you that this key was also one of the antidotes to the poison that is burnout. That's exactly what Lisa is going to help us with today. Lisa Bayless has been sharing well-being strategies for the last 20 years. She's a natural-born connector with an innate ability to make people feel valued and heard. She's a teacher, a counselor, a facilitator, and a mother. Lisa is also the published author of Self-Compassion for Educators, as well as the creator of the AWE Method, Awakening the Well-Being for Educators, which merges self-care, mindfulness, and self-compassion. Welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, Lisa. Thank you for coming to share all about self-compassion for teachers. Oh, I am so happy to be here, and thank you for the invitation to connect with you and to connect with your listeners. I'm really happy to say hello and to be here with you today. Yeah. So can you share with the listeners a little bit about your background and what got you passionate about supporting teachers with self-compassion? Yeah, totally. Well, I'm actually a teacher, so that you know, I've been in education now for over 20 years. I started as a physical education teacher and an English teacher and and taught across, I'm from Canada, I taught across British Columbia and overseas for a little bit. Uh, And then I did my master's in counseling psychology and I worked with in counseling in schools for many, many years. And during that time, I started to really see, you know, well, the mental health crisis with our kids. And that was um, really hard to watch. And uh, we had a year, many years ago, 2014, where in this province, our our province went on strike to fight for better class size and composition at the time. And it was pretty significant for me because we actually lost, like, we didn't settle for a very good deal. We we lost work for three weeks and lost wages and took all of the beginning of September out of school, which I, you know, as all educators know, the beginning of your school year, like, that's a new year, right? Like, this is yeah. a, a, a potent time for new beginnings and new, you know, almost new resolutions. It's almost more powerful than January, I think. You know, those pencils are mm-hmm. sharpened and we've got new outfits and we're ready to go. And that year, we, we didn't go back. Um and I actually, from, I was a different lens. I was, I was a mom. My kids were about to start kindergarten. They were about to go into school. And when we, we ended up going back to school, I saw how depleted educators were. And they were feeling really defeated and sad and frustrated. And you could feel this edge in the school that I was working in. And around the same time, I started to see more kids in my counseling capacity. And I didn't, I wish I had taken some data points at this time because I wasn't thinking in that lens, but I noticed that the more 
um, an educator was feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, really undervalued. I was seeing more students from that space, from that classroom. The kids were coming in the same way. And I noticed this, you know, correlation that when our kids are, or when our educators are unwell, so are our teachers. And so, you know, I started a mission around talking about educator well-being. And I was running workshops and conferences and, you know, running beautiful day-long and weekend retreats. And during this time, I was also going through some of my own challenges of, you know, trying to be a mom and a teacher and a partner and a presenter and trying to, as we many, as we, as we do as educators, wear many hats. And I started to feel my own feelings of burnout. Yeah. You know, I, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. I fell at school. You know, it really hurt. And I ended up having to step out a little bit and pause and realize how hard, you know, it was to be a human and to do the work as an educator. And during that time, I had been already teaching and practicing mindfulness, but I discovered self-compassion. And I realized what a foundational practice it was in giving me permission to be human to meet my struggles, and to still have the capacity to go back and do the work. So it really grew my resilience. And that was a really powerful practice. And since then, I've been, you know, really trying to reach out to all educators and say, here's, here's a great foundation. It doesn't solve anything. It's not a magic wand, but it will help you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and you said something that was really, that really struck with me, that our educators and how they're feeling really impacts our students. And we see that all the time. And there are tons of studies to kind of back that Mm -hmm. up. But when we're not taking care of ourselves as educators, then we end up impacting our students. And I think what you're doing for educators and sharing with them about self-compassion is so powerful. So And I understand you've written a book. Mm -hmm. You've written a book about self-compassion for educators. Why is this such an important and foundational practice for educators? Well, I think, as you said, it's true. You know, how we affect, how we are will affect our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of the biggest gifts we can give students these days is just our presence, right? Like to be fully there and say, I see you. I mean, we all want to be seen and valued and heard. This is the essence of humanity. And our kids Mm -hmm. are the same way, whether they're five or, you know, 25, whatever level we work with them at. Um, They want to know that they matter and they want to know that they're seen and they want to know that what they're doing is, is, you know, important. Nobody Mm -hmm. likes to just go through route, you know, stuff that doesn't mean anything. And so as educators, when we can show up and be intentional and purposeful and present, we are helping our kids learn. Because let's be honest, kids can learn whatever they want, whenever they want now. Like content is everywhere. Um, relationships are key. And so, you know, when I, when I started to realize that, and went, well, when I always knew relationships were key, it was a big part of my practice in, in schools. But I realized that for me to be able to show up, to be able to be, you know, a good present human being, I had to do the work for me. And that was hard because sometimes when we start doing the work for ourselves, when we start reflecting and shifting our mindset a little bit, like it's, it's not that I got to do better or be better. It's just like, I got to, I got to be authentically me and I've got to do that from a safe place. That's, you know, going to keep myself present for these kids. Um, I realized that there's like some awareness that I needed to do for myself. And in that awareness, I realized that when things are hard, you know, as educators, we still have to be there. You know, we still have to be present and, and this is beyond self-care. It's like, I have to deeply care for myself so that I can show up and, 
and be in the space with these little ones who really need our attention. Because let's be honest, they are, they are looking to us to help regulate their own emotions. And one of the other things I discovered was, you know, this, this, a lot of work around co-regulation. You talked about the brain and we know there's lots of research out there. What's really neat is, you know, our students' brains are fully under, underdeveloped. They're not ready to regulate the distressing feelings, the big emotions, all the things that are coming. And they're, they need someone else to help them. And they turn towards their peers often. What we want is them to turn towards us as adults because our brains are more regulated. They're more mature. And they do that by co-regulating. And, you know, it's our job to share our calm, not join their chaos, right? Like it's really important to bring our, our, our calm and regulated brain into a room of, you know, the intensity of being with kids. It's not an easy job. But, you know, the more we can practice deeply recognizing where we are, it's easier to do this work. Yeah. I I have had several moments during my teacher burnout journey um, where I was really transformed by being aware, by mm-hmm. being more present. But they could have been even more transformed if I'd had a little bit of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. I am interrupting this episode for a brief moment to answer one of the biggest questions that burned out teachers have, and that's how can I be more resilient, care for my mental health, and use my body's natural systems to get out of the stress cycle? Here's my favorite answer. Mental wellness is scientifically proven to be impacted by our gut-brain connection, or simply put, what we put in our bodies makes up the building blocks of our brain connection. In fact, many refer to the gut as the second brain. This is because research has found that there is a line of communication communication transmitting directly between the intestines and the brain, and it's called the enteric nervous system. There are hundreds of millions of neurons located within the digestive tract, which are connected to the brain through the nervous system. So yes, what you digest is directly interacting with your brain. That is why it's important to give your brain what it needs to reduce stress and why I started using Amari X Happy Juice, which is three products used in a drink form to boost mood and motivation, provide overall health for your second brain, your gut, enhance mental performance, and provide the fuel needed for a highly productive day. While each of these products use separate have amazing benefits on their own. Happy Juice has really provided me with healthy energy I need to get it through my school day without that crash and jitters. I believe so much in these products that I have partnered with Amari X to bring you the ultimate mental wellness products that are scientifically backed for healthy energy, stress reduction, and resilience. So what are you waiting for? Head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash mental wellness products to learn more and use code 152 817 to save $10. Back to the episode. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I think so many educators really don't recognize that piece of the self-awareness of the self-care puzzle is that self-compassion because yeah. they want, they might beat themselves up about mm-hmm. what they're not doing, how they're mm-hmm. not being a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And so how can teachers really determine if they need to incorporate better self-compassion practices? Well, compassion is a practice always, whether we're giving it out to others or we're bringing it back to ourselves. So mm-hmm. um, I would say that you're, we're always incorporating it and, and it, you can't do too much of it. In fact, you know, the more we do it, the better it is for us, right? Um, yeah. One thing that I was thinking about when you said that, you know, we, we talk about self-care and I know this is a lot of the journey you do and, and with, your, with your listeners and with, your, with the educators you work with. And we often talk about it in, in my world that, you know, self-care done intentionally 
is behavioral self-compassion. It's the action of saying like, hey, like this one too, like I care about myself enough that I'm going to do the things that I need to do to care about, like to look after myself. And self- I love the way you frame that. Yeah. In, in, in self-compassion, we ask the question, what do I need? Like this is, this is the foundation. What, what do I really need right now? Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, I don't know about you, but I come home at the end of the day and I'm like, I want a bag of chips and I want Netflix and I want everyone to leave me alone and, you know, <laughs> like just go away. And, and sometimes, you know, if I do that with intention, like I just need to shut down for a few minutes and I'm going to eat these chips and I'm going to be okay. But if I'm doing it from a place of non-awareness, like I, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden three hours goes by and my kids haven't eaten dinner, I'm not really caring mm-hmm. for myself, right? Right. Self-compassion says, okay, sweetie, what do you really need? And as educators, we tend to, you know, put these bars of perfection up really high and we never reach them. So we're constantly like upping the bar um, and we tend to be a little more anxious. You know, we work by the bell. We're sort of constantly on edge. There's a lot of personalities that we have as educators that self-compassion says, okay, dear one, right? Like this one too. It's, it's this recognition of truly treating ourselves with the same kindness and care that we would treat anybody else, our students, our best friend, our children. It's saying like, this one matters enough that I get to be kind you were talking about this. And I was thinking about how in a previous episode, my friend Sierra Richards came on and she talks about inner child work. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're speaking as like the self-compassion, I can see how those two things can really together become a way that we are recognizing we're not just talking to ourselves, we're talking to our inner child, 100%. like that needed somebody to say these things that maybe we didn't hear as a child, yeah. or maybe we just needed that. And um, so I can, I can hear a little, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can hear a lot of those same things that we've talked about, about inner child work yeah. and how that can really just move with that. Yeah. We talk about the compassionate voice being, you know, how do you find this wise, compassionate voice that's going to, you know, be what you need to hear. And sometimes it is that like, if I can imagine my 10 year old self, I can imagine my four year old self, but what I say to her or him, um, you know, what can I do to really care for me? Um, and that voice is really, really important. Yeah. So mindfulness is like a practice and it's such a buzzword, you know, in burnout recovery nowadays. So how is self-compassion different than mindfulness? Yeah, such a good question. Um, you need mindfulness to practice self-compassion. So, you know, I think we need to take the, the, the catch out of mindfulness. Mindfulness is truly just the practice of like noticing, being aware, attending to what's going on around us and what's going on within us. It's paying attention on purpose. And mm-hmm. I think that this is a lifelong practice we all need to do to grow in our personal awareness. The reason I say you need mindfulness for self-compassion is how many times have you gone through your day and your shoulders are up at your ears and you're, you know, you're going through your day and you have no idea how stressed you feel. And then all of a sudden you kind of go like, oh my gosh, my shoulders. And you drop them and you take a deep breath and you're like, oh, right, slow down. And we haven't paid attention the whole time. So compassion means to meet suffering and, you know, have a desire to support it or alleviate it or to get rid of it or to help it. 
mindfulness is important because it goes like, oh, this one too. Like, oh, I'm aware of my own suffering. I'm aware of my own struggling. I'm aware of my own stress. So in the self-compassion practice, we there's we have three components. And mindfulness is, is the first one. It's in a really important one. It says, okay, I notice this, this is a moment of stress, or I'm recognizing that this hurts, or just like, ouch, ooh, right? And we actually give ourselves the permission to notice and to pay attention, but we don't get caught up in it. There's no wallowing. It's not like, oh, woe is me. It's There's this recognition like, okay, and now how am I going to meet that, right? So I sit and I notice and I'm aware. And a lot of ed- educators, they shy away from mindfulness because it's just like, Oh, it's heavy. Like I, I it's hard. I got to sit with my thoughts. I got to pay attention to all this. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't have time, right? Like, you know, and we, we joke that if you don't have time for 10 minutes of mindfulness, you probably need an hour, but you know, yeah. like, <laughs> but you know, taking those few minutes of like, what am I noticing? Just stopping and pausing because then the self-compassion practices is to come in with care, right? To come in with kindness. So not to, to get so, uh, you know, so intensely aware that we're all of a sudden creating stories or, or getting upset about our mindful practice. It's like, and yeah, I notice it's hard. And how am I going to meet that? Yeah. When you were talking about that, I, I noticed my shoulders were kind of up at my ears. And so I, I was like, huh? Yeah. And the way that you framed that was just, it's beautiful because I think so often if teachers are learning to take care of themselves, are learning to undo some of these, you know, the burnout, the stress, the, all of these different things, they start thinking, okay, well now I notice it, but what do I do with it? And that self-compassion just seems like another piece of the puzzle. And I I just love that you're bringing this work to so many educators. Mm. And I think all teachers can agree. Empathy is important as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like but how is empathy and self-compassion different? Oh, like, how can we frame that? I love it. Um, well, compassion is a practice. Empathy is a tool to get to compassion. So empathy oh. is what we use in relation with others. It says, you know, I, I notice how you're feeling. I, I get it. I feel it too. Or I'm aware of your, you know, emotion. And what's really cool is that there's research. Tanya Singer did some amazing brain scan research. And what she noticed was that, you know, when you ask people to respond in an empathetic way or an empathic way, or you respond in a compassionate way, she said, she noticed that empathy actually lights up our limbic brain. So this is the part of our brain that we really have little control of. It's also known as our caveman brain or our reptilian brain. And it's where our amygdala sits. It's that part of our brain that's responsible for our stress response. So when we're, when we're, responding with empathy, which is essential for connection. So we never want to take empathy away because it says like, Hey, I got you. I see you. Like it's really that, that seeing of another human being, but what it does is it, we feel, and if all of a sudden, you know, Brittany, you're really stressed and upset and hurting. And I'm like, I feel it. I see it with you. And I'm like, my brain, my limbic brain's going, woo, like my alarm system's going off. And all of a sudden I'm having a, a stress response too, because I'm with you in this. Well, so yeah. most people are like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Like, I don't want to stay there, right? Like I'm out. I, I'm, I'm going to try and fix her. Like, I'm trying to get out of this. But yeah. what we know is, so empathy is the tool to compassion. Empathy plus action is compassion. So empathy, or well, I like to say it, empathy plus love. What we know compassion is, is it lights up the prefrontal cortex part of our brain. 
This is the part of our brain that makes us human. It's the part of our brain that says, hey, I can, I can feel your emotions and I can feel mine and I'm, I can understand them and I can act rationally. I can communicate better. I can creatively yeah. think. I can problem solve. It's the part of our brain that keeps us human and online and with another. And it's so much better to feel because it's a loving and positive emotion than staying in empathy. So when we learn to respond compassionately to others, which many educators are really, really good at, we know what to say to others. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, so this is hard for you. I'm with you. You're not alone, right? Like, we're so good at giving that outward. But in those moments when we're, you know, empathetically feeling, you know, feeling with empathy, we also need to say that to ourselves. Oh yeah, okay, this is it. It's hard right now, but I'm I'm okay, right? Like it's this responding yeah. both ways. And so we need empathy for res- for relationship, for connection, but we want to move out of empathy and into compassion. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I geek out on anything brain science, neuroscience. Like I so when you brought that in, I was like, yeah, just tell me more. Just tell me more. Yeah. And you know, I talk a lot about individualizing Mm -hmm. self-care, especially for educators, because I think at one point in time, it was so try this or try that. And nobody was really getting to the root of how to choose those things. And I believe that self-compassion is really what allows teachers to get those meaningful results from their self-care practices. And I know that you, you share that sentiment. So what exactly would a teacher do in order to begin a good self-compassion practice? Like, is there a formula or practice that can get teachers practicing self-compassion like this week? Yeah. Um, Well, I love it because just like we would, we want to individualize our education for our students. We also Mm -hmm. recognize that we're each individuals and that, you know, one, one practice is not going to be the same. We never learned to, nobody learns to walk all on the same day. We we have to learn things in different ways. Right. So, you know, and and I'm a big proponent of self-care, but I'm a bigger proponent of caring for self in a way that says, what do you need, right? Yes. Like, you know, you might need to go for a run and I might need to sit and meditate. And both are okay mm-hmm. because they're looking at the different components of well-being, right? We have different mm-hmm. components that need to be cared for in different ways. The other thing is, I think self-compassion needs to celebrate. Listen, we're all doing a pretty good job at caring for ourselves. We forget that all the time. You're here. You're still doing it. You're still showing up every day. You know, you have so many habits already that are caring for yourself. So celebrate those. Don't get caught up in the I need to's. I need to, like the shoulds that we all should, the shoulds, right? Like, what do you do? What works for you? And it's okay to do that. We don't have to be like everybody else. Self-compassion has three components. And so when we're we're talking about starting with it, I invite people to sort of start to give themselves permission to pay attention to the three components. The first is mindfulness. So if you want to start right now, every once in a while, just stop. Just like literally, you know, we even use the acronym STOP, which stands for stop, take a pause and a breath. So stop, take a breath, observe. What, What do you notice? And then proceed with wisdom. So like that can be two minutes. We don't need to go very long, but just are your shoulders at your ears? Can you drop them, dear ones? Can you like invite a nice big breath and just slow everything down? Do you notice like, is your heart racing? Are you having all kinds of, you know, frustrating thoughts? Can you just recognize them and can you proceed slowly? So the mindfulness piece is there. The second component of self-compassion is what we call common humanity. It's probably one of my favorites. It just says that 
guess what? You get to be human. We're all messy, beautiful human beings who are going to make mistakes. We're going to fall. We're going to fail. Like we're going to have big, ugly emotions and you're not alone actually. And you're entitled to them. So, you know, like sometimes we feel really isolated and other times we don't even want to say like, this is hard because we don't think other people are experiencing the same thing. And we compare our suffering to so many other people, but really there's a permission that says, yeah, I I feel it. I notice it. And I get to give myself permission to be like everybody else. So, you know, we're all perfectly imperfect and we get to give ourselves that permission to just be uh, like, not you know, perfect. We get to be messy and we get to know that, you know, there's 8 billion other people in this world who feel and struggle just like you. Yes. And then the third component is now that you, you know, you notice and you remind yourself you're not alone. uh, What can you say to yourself? How can you just try and shift the language? What would you say to your best friend? You know, for me, this practice really started to shift. I have a daughter. She's now 11. But when I started doing this work, she was six and seven six or seven. And I think there was a time she came and she's like, mommy, I'm no good. And my friends don't like me. You know, like there was these hurtful things she was saying to herself. And I was like, oh, baby, like, of course you're, you're wonderful and you're beautiful and you're, you've got lots of time. And, you know, of course you got that wrong, but yeah, it's because you're new at it. You know, like the words just poured out of me. It was so easy. And then I went back into my office and I was like, oh, I just really didn't do that very well. And I could hear my own like inner critic. And I started, I just had this like, aha, like, holy crap, like I would never say that to her. I would never, ever, ever say these words to my students, to my own kids, to anybody I love. So why am I saying them to myself? So there was this just very gentle shift of like, you know, sometimes those, those negative thoughts, those negative critical voices still come up. And then I think, do I really need to hear this right now? You know, do I need to, what, what could I say instead? Um, so it's just a real invitation to get curious, right? What, the other thing I'll say about self-compassion is it's it's not a quick fix. It's not going to, you know, you know, be miracles and rainbows and, and make everything perfect. It's about allowing our humanity to come through and to recognize and be in our in our struggles and to maybe just allow them to exist instead of like shoving them away. Because we mm-hmm. know that the more we sort of allow and be in it, t- things tend to soften, right? So it's this beautiful I- in invitation to say, yeah, it's hard and I'm still okay. Um, so if we want to get started right away, I would say, you know, try those three components. Can you notice? Can you just remind yourself you're not alone? Other people feel like you. And could you try practicing loving kindness? Um, I'm on an app called Insight Timer. It's a free app that you can access. You can get it on your computer or you can get it on um, as an app on your phone. And you can put in self-compassion break or my name, and you can listen to me lead this as a practice. It's five minutes, and I can guide you through it. So um, the other thing, it's in my book, and I have all the practices from my book free on my website. So if you go to my website and you want to try some self-compassion practices, there are about eight different practices, anywhere between three and 18 minutes to try them. Oh, yes. So we're going to put those in the show notes. That way, you know, teachers, educators can go and find these things that you have. That's awesome. I didn't even realize that you had those available. But you said something that that I have recognized and I share with the teachers that I work with all the time. We would not say some of the things that we say to ourselves, to our kids or our students. And that was something that I really noticed when I became a parent. And 
I would say things and I'd be like, gosh, but I won't say, I won't say that to myself. Mm -hmm. And when I went through my self-awareness journey, my burnout journey, that is when I started recognizing those things. And again, this is why connecting with you and bringing you on the show is so important because I think that is a huge piece that's missed out of the puzzle. So do you have any, um, obviously you have your book Mm -hmm. and I would love for you to talk about it, but do you have any books or any courses that you recommend for educators who are looking to foster self-compassion that you can share and maybe where educators can find yours? Yeah. Thank you. My book's called Self-Compassion for Educators. It's, you know, full of practices to grow resilience. This is, that was the whole idea. It's, it's based on um, knowing why we need to look after ourselves. How do we do it? And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of practices. It's the why, the how, and the what. Mm-hmm. And so um, you can pick it up. At, I mean, it's on Amazon. It's published through PESI. And so you can get it through their website. And the other thing is, if you do get a, a group set, then message me and I have a facilitator's guide to run book clubs. So if anybody's doing it in their schools and wants uh, if you if you get more than you know twenty copies and you want to do this as a book club, then email me directly. Show me that you're doing that, and I'll send you a free facilitator's guide. So um, so you can run it as a book club because it's really done well in community. Um, there there's a lot of work being done. Mostly uh, the research around self compassion is done by Drs. Kristen Neff and Dr. Chris Germer. They have a um, a nonprofit foundation called the Mindful Self Compassion Center for Mindful Self Compassion. So there's lots of work being done out of there. I run. I'll be running a, a, a short course, five week course in January. So if people want to take some work with me, um, get on my newsletter because that information is coming out shortly. Um, so those are some places that I would start to give the foundation of it. If you go to the Center for Mindful Self Compassion, you can find lots of different people around the world who are teaching the courses. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, please stay in touch with me because I love to talk to about it specifically with educators. So this work is done with healthcare in healthcare fields, because the other thing I hear from people is like, oh, you're, you know, I love this work for educators. My friend's a nurse, right? Or, you know, my husband would really appreciate this. Or, And so this is not just for educators. There's work that's being done around the world. It's a global movement around how do we incorporate compassion into our world? It's, yeah. you know, I believe it's, it's the one thing we need to help grow more than anything else. Like, let's continue to care and love each other up, including ourselves. So um, start there, start in some of those places. There's some beautiful places to, to get going. Um, and then you, you get on my newsletter because I send practices, exercises out weekly. I send lots of free things out. And on my Instagram profile, I'm interviewing different people who have gone through this journey and talk about self-compassion. So I also love to share teacher stories. So that's another place that you can hear more about what other people are going through too. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes, all of the links to the um, different courses and things like that, as well as where to find Lisa on all social media platforms, including TikTok. Um, So we'll put that, we'll put those in the show notes. But Lisa, thank you so much for bringing what you have to the podcast. I really think this is such a powerful practice and you are one of the biggest experts that I know in it. Um, so I 
I just loved having you on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I'm so grateful to continue to share this message. And, you know, I hope that it helps. And I hope that educators out there just recognize that they're amazing human beings doing amazing work. And we just want them to be kind and caring towards themselves and others. So thank you, Brittany, for all your hard work and continuing to share this message. So as Lisa shared, it is so important for us to begin talking to ourselves as humans. In order for us to show empathy and compassion for our students and our colleagues, we first have to tap into what that looks like individually for us. If you already have some strong self-compassion practices, I definitely recommend you diving into another portion of inner work called inner child healing, which I talked about in episode six with Sierra Richards. So if you're wondering how you can connect with more self-compassion, I'll put that episode in the show notes as well. Don't forget, you are a resilient teacher. We are in this together. You've got this. Before you go, head over to teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash podcast to check out any links, freebies, and resources discussed in this episode so that you can start recovering from or preventing burnout and reigniting your passion for teaching. If you liked this episode and it helped you or made you think in any way, I know it will be for other educators too. So subscribe and leave a review so more educators can find this community as well. Did you know that you can have an incredible impact on the teachers in your life? That's right. All you have to do is share what you learned today. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag me and post it in your stories. What do you say that we start creating a trail for more teachers around us so that we can start to make the change in the system of education, how teachers are seen and respected, and for ourselves? I look forward to connecting with you more on Instagram at Teaching Mind, Body, and Soul or TikTok at Miss Princess Teach. I am always looking for an excuse to chat more about burnout, resilience, and teacher support. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>